Hello my friends, this is Sarah from Weird Horizon, where we explore topics on the spooky, the esoteric, the countercultural and the just plain weird. Thank you for joining me for another episode where we explore the more esoteric side of things this time and the more spiritual side of things. So I am once again joined by some good friends as we dip our toes into what tarot is, what tarot isn't and how it evolved to become the form that it takes today. This will be a slightly looser discussion than my more recent episodes as, like astrology, which I would check out if you're interested in this kind of thing, it works really well with some good friends and little wine. I will give you the same disclaimer I did with astrology, we are very much beginners in this. We're really just exploring what we feel about tarot and starting to analyse some of our assumptions about it. I have a slightly more theoretical knowledge on it than my friends, but we by no means mean any harm. We are just interested in it as a valuable part of human history. I'll be back in a few weeks with a slightly more in-depth history of tarot specifically, but for now, just get comfy, grab a little snack if you can, and enjoy. Let's get into it. Hello, my friends. Hello, hello. So today we are going to be exploring another sort of aspect of spirituality or esoteric ideas. So we're going to be looking at tarot, which, as you're probably aware, is a sort of method by which you can divine things about the future and the present through special cards, which are very similar to sort of a deck of cards. But um, you may have already seen them. Cultural landmark, I would say. Yeah, rather ubiquitous although I'll, I'll be honest I, I didn't realize there were that many yes <laughs> yeah when we were talking about this um Lewis came up with the idea of like oh it'd be really cool if you went over each individual card and, <laughs> and explain them all I didn't say anything at that point um because there are like 72 <laughs> and I would love to I would absolutely love to go through each card in exhaustive detail but honestly that could be a podcast in its in its entirety so if you were to think about tarot in popular culture, uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a positive. It's If you were to think of, I don't know, like horror films, negative connotations outweigh the positive. So I would be quite intrigued to see if there are those positive connotations. Well, like you said, like the, the deck we have is the uh, Smith Rider weight tarot deck, which is the quintessential tarot deck basically so it's the symbology that everyone recognizes has been a direct inspiration for a lot of horror films so when you said oh it's it's very reminiscent of midsummer it's because there's a lot of shared iconography between tarot and horror because it's like you said it's kind of lumped in with these um esoteric ideas that are lumped in with horror for whatever reason um like uh, witchcraft and it's subversive, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's just a little bit. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit, um, <laughs> little bit out there. But very broadly, something which I didn't know until I started researching this. So the tarot deck is split into three sections, basically: major arcana, minor arcana, and the actual suits. And the major arcana are the face cards that we're familiar with. So they will have like the devil on it, or you know, representation of death. And when you view these in order, because they are ordered, 
they are supposed to sort of embody a symbolic representation of the soul's body through life and spiritual uh, attainment, which is really pretty cool. A, a given human's life from start to finish. Yeah, so like a universal sort of journey that a human will go through through their adult and spiritual life from, you know, birth up until death which is really cool i didn't know about that no that's news to me yeah so they're kind of they form a narrative um and i'll tell you very briefly what the narrative is right now so this is yeah the narrative as sketched out by the major arcana so an innocent leaves hearth and home and sets out into the open world unaware of both the wonders and the danger ahead Along the way, he begins to realise his own power, discovers the deep dimensionality of his inner self, and faces his weaknesses and fears, revealing a strength he did not know he had. He loves, he suffers, he makes grave mistakes and rises again to joyfully celebrate his victories. He meditates, he dances, he weeps, and as he moves forward along the winding, rocky path, he evolves, ultimately embracing all aspects of himself, Body, mind, and finally spirit. Anyone, um, anyone get like a hero's journey vibe from that? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> a universal human journey apparently that made from these cards. If you read them in a certain order, but before this, I didn't know there was an order to them. No, I thought it was sheer random chance. Yeah, like they have representations, but I wasn't aware that they were supposed to represent a journey. But you could use this framework then to kind of define where you are in this journey whether it, it describes your life entirely or if you are tra- like struggling with something whether you're sort of just setting off um card one which will be the fool which you know is not the negative connotations we would expect from a fool it just being someone who hasn't gained all of this knowledge yet so if you pull that it might say something about where you are in your spiritual journey who wrote that this is from, I should probably credit it, so this is from the Tashin book on tarot from the Library of Esoterica. I only ask because um, the way it was written, I, um, I closed my eyes and I was listening uh, to the way that you uh, read it. Um, so immediately, much like the last podcast that I was um, invited to, to join, um, my... Uh, perception of the uh, the subject matter was I think the last time I uh, say it was but you know hokum, but at the end of it I actually saw some reverence and so I, it, was, it was interesting. Uh, it's not something I would live and die by, but it was just interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately, and I come into this completely none the wiser, just zero the entry level um, from my. Uh, perception of tarot was like I said before uh, pop culture the negative connotations horror blah 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 but that opening gambit was actually quite dare I say positive yes you're right it's I think outside perspective of tarot um, you don't realize how much the focus is on like the spiritual journey side of it um, so when you see tarot in films and stuff, when people, you know, reveal their cards, it's all very much like, oh, yeah, like you said, you get the you get the symbol of death, and it's like, oh, awful portent. But it's all about you know where you are in your spiritual journey, rather than you know what's 
physically, objectively having happening to you in life, like astrology, really. Yeah. It's yeah. a tool to kind of figure out where you are, where you would situate yourself in um, in your life rather than telling you objectively about what's happening and what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know what that reminded me of? Um, hopefully you'll laugh and see what I'm talking about. How much did that remind you? I was hearing it and thinking this is so similar to the game uh, Roy in uh, <laughs> Yeah, the universal narrative that is uh, that is Roy as well. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, did, it did kind of remind me. You went back to the carpet shop. Yeah. You should have gone off the grid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it reminded me of Roy. Is Roy what... 2 is here. Oh my God. <laughs> It's one of those things that I do I do think about probably more than I, <laughs> more, than, more than I should. Just you know, coming back to realization. Just my, my, my where's my wife? And I'm like, ah, <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, if got you, could, you. I would love to go to Blitz and Chips. I mean, that, wouldn't that just be amazing? Absolutely. Right? And then yeah, you've got to separate. You know, the experience that you've just had. Like you've just been <laughs> brain in there. That's your whole life. And then they pull you out. Like, ah, sucker. Just uh, obviously side note. They do make reference to that kind of narrative a few times. So Roy, mm -hmm. the bit, uh, one of my absolute favourite episodes is where, um, I think it's the third season, they see their evil Morty, and it's where they, they go to Atlantis, but then the actual episode is when they go to, uh, what's that episode where there's that, uh, they eat those biscuits, you know, come home to simple oh, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so they make that a similar reference yeah. uh, there. It's yeah, kind of. And they were just hooked up, and they're taking the the yeah good vibes out of their head. It's a, it's a good show. It's a yeah, good show. Oh, me, no, Get back to those heights. It, I'm sure it can be very good, uh, very good again. Because like when it when it works, oh my god. <laughs> yes, I mean, like snake jazz. You think that is the greatest episode of all time? Terminator Two, but with snakes. Yeah, and it'll snake Hitler as well. Yeah. yeah. And it comes out in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, where were we? Where yeah, we? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so we'll start off a little bit with the history of tarot. So um, it is fairly hard to trace definitively um, where the first tar tarot deck came from or, you know, who was the first to practice tarot because it doesn't really survive in any real record. First time you start to see it is in paintings. You see people around tables, around like um, their little gaming tables with cards that are probably um, will derive into tarot, but probably aren't tarot initially. So we the like the earliest that it can probably be traced back to realistically is like the fourteen hundreds, where you see things that look very very similar to tarot and then you get the first decks that are commissioned by incredibly rich people because a bit like um you know like Ouija stuff it right, was right. the kind of thing really rich people got our, you know got their friends together and just drank and did tarot for a little time so there's a few surviving decks from around that era and they're like hand painted gold leaf like oh. proper a parlor game but Early on, it probably wasn't used in the same way, so it wasn't really used as a divination tool. It, it was more just like a parlour game, but then evolved into something else. Okay, that makes um, sense. Yeah, like how astrology sort of changed over time. 
So by the mid-1400s, it's like a popular um, game in particularly the Italian courts. So again, a lot of the ones we have surviving come from the Italian courts. And there you find a few surviving, really beautiful hand-painted ones, which are now in um, museums. It spreads slowly through Europe, so it spreads from Italy to France, and by the sort of mid-1500s, it's really taking off in France as well, and you start to see them in, like, nativity um, images, and they're sort of saturated popular culture, and that, like, mm. they're not just at the top they're not just in the courts anymore they're clearly quite a popular thing mm. in the mid 1500s it's listed in a little book of games um and it's spelled instead of spelled t-a-r-o-t it's spelled t-a-r-a-u but it's very clearly the or same taru, right? yeah. Taru. Yeah. still it's not linked to divination because there are other like games of divination linked in in, in this book but tarot isn't one of them do we know if there's a definitive point where 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 tarot sort of took on like this more serious like a turning point? Yeah. Well, it really starts to properly take off in popularity in the 1700s, but realistically, when it when it sort of got associated with spirituality and you know never stopped, was pretty much in the early 1900s. So it's coming in out of popularity, never really left but the reason we know of it today is from the early 1900s and this deck that we were talking about the Ryder Waite Smith deck um, was hugely hugely popular and was created by some of the people who are part of um, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn which I told you <laughs> I briefly told Lee about which is a really cool sounding uh, secret society basically I mean if you were going to be in a secret society... That's quite the title. Very briefly, like, inside, look, it sounds like it was a pile of games, everyone having fun, and then uh, over time... Someone found a reason or to, to monetize it. So it went from a game mm -hmm. to something where, oh, I can fool these people and then somehow <laughs> monetize it. A little bit. So early in the 1700s, there are... There is one particular French publisher who um, comes out with a fairly modern tarot deck that links it in with the Hebrew alpha, alphabet and ancient Egyptian symbology. So that's oh when it first starts to be linked towards sort of just spiritual and religious themes in general, because tarot, if you notice, is very... Um, it covers all sort of religions. It's not specifically yeah. Christian. It's not yeah. specifically any one religion. And that was just expanded on in the 1900s because this, like I said, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn who popularised it, a major tenet of Hermeticism is this kind of theosophy. So bringing together all known religions into one sort of uniting religion and bringing all of this um, mm. symbology together and all the, um, all the overlaps and sort of implying a universality as a human experience yeah. um, okay i can i can see i can see how the time so you say it was uh, is it the 1400s 1400s is when it gets popular right. 1700s is when it starts to be to associated with um yeah. okay fine. with like meaning specific meanings fine. then 1900s is when it 1900s is very recent 
guess that kind of goes hand in hand with Ouija boards. Exactly. And... It's all part of this spiritualism movement and everyone was just interested in um, alternative forms of, uh, you know, belief in general. But yes, it's quite hard to... It seems like it had a real explosion in popularity in the 1900s, but it's quite hard to definitively track beyond that because obviously they are pieces of paper or cardboard at the end of the day. Mm. And it was games played by people in their house. It's not the kind of thing that was really recorded. Um, so that's why the sort of timeline is from a few little surviving cards from certain decks and you don't often have... Up until the 1700s, you very rarely get any explanation of what it's supposed to mean. You just get this imagery, you know? It's just like, there you go. Uh, guess what you think we did with that. <laughs> I mean, similar to a deck of cards. Like, if you didn't, you know, just looking at a deck of cards oh. decontextualized, like, got, has it got a king on it? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I guess that one's more important. Is it any more important than the one with the J on it? That, or mm, is the ace high or low? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They are an extension of a regular deck of cards at the end of the day. So as mentioned, you have the major arcana, minor arcana, and then just your suits. So you will have, um, you know, numbers up to the king of um, of each suit. And the suits kind of roughly correlate to suits like a deck of cards suit, because at the end of the day, they have like a shared lineage. There's a one point that sort of tarot branched off onto its own, but they have come from the same sort of... Uh, uh, decks at the end of the day. The artwork on on this specific deck of cards, um, I think it, it really captures the imagination. I was saying earlier to to Sarah off uh, off recording that you know I've seen Halo, the the the, the video yeah, game Halo yeah. tarot cards. You know where it's like it's energy swords instead of the yeah. you know the the king of swords or whatever, and it's you know and all of that stuff seems devoid of any spiritualism. It's <laughs> it's uh, it's um, very materialist. I, I get it. I understand why people can can sort of see a, a, a power in those cards and, and kind of draw some kind of. It's very serious. Yeah. You know. Um, it's like astrology. It's all. Um, it can be as you can get as much from it as you want to. It's all like it's all a mechanism from which you can try and understand what's happening to you. So if you, you can look at it and just be like, hmm, yeah, and then just put it down. But you can also look at it and pour over it. and yeah. Um... Yeah. From it uh, as like a negative, mm -hmm. I can see, much like uh, astrology, I can see how someone could very easily monetize this. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, you know, the, the kind of snake or salesman. Absolutely. Yeah. And people do, like, there is... Um, there's also there's no shortage of people out there kind of using tarot decks for their own like spiritual development, but there's also no shortage of people out there who you can pay and they will draw cards and they will interpret them for you. Mm. And obviously there's there's something to be said from that, someone um giving you their outside interpretation of what the cards might mean and then you kind of internalise that. But there is a lot of money to be made from it because at the yeah. end of the day you're yeah. you're helping people out and potentially you know a glimpse into the future like who wouldn't want that? <laughs> yeah it's not like the idea of it itself of divining something about the future that's just inherently i think quite interesting to, mm -hmm. to it, humans in popular culture i i can personally think of, of two examples of, of tarot card use 
the Disney movie um, Princess and the Frog, uh, Dr. Facilier, the villain of the movie, you know, he's got a whole number. He's like, the cards, the cards, the cards will tell. It's not directly stated to be tarot cards, but, you know, they've got little pictures on them, sort of representative of, you know, you know images of like, you know, oh, no, look, it's a picture of a prince, but he's poor. <laughs> That's pretty on the nose for this exact situation. He's described as a charlatan. Like the first thing you see him do is like sell a dude a bottle of snake oil in it mm -hmm. to make him grow hair, and he turns into a, a werewolf or something. I don't know. I'm gonna have to again <laughs> draw reference to Rick and Morty. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Needful things, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very, very similar. But the South as well. Yeah, yeah. the rich tapestry from the south yeah. oh it's fantastic the food Ca in that yeah. film food, oh my god cajun oh, yeah. you know oh i love dr facilier from that movie yeah. is uh seen using sort of cards but the the, the whole whole point is he's tricking uh the, the prince what was the other one you said there was two right that yes you can think of my apologies the other example uh is in uh the uh james bond movie uh live and let die um, which is known as, you know, the racist James Bond movie. It is. But... Is, that the, is that the one with the, the, the black guy with the white face and the top hat? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, I mean, I quite like that movie. I like it despite its flaws. Mm -hmm. um, I could bang on about a movie all day. That's not why I'm here. The, the point is that um, the, the Bond girl of that movie is a tarot deck reading... Um, magician, I guess. You know, she's implied to have supernatural uh, abilities to accurately predict the future. And, uh, you know, she uses a deck of cards, a tarot cards specifically, uh, to read them. So whilst Dr. Facilier just has, like, picture cards, which are kind of sort of give you the gist, yeah. you know, she has actual tarot cards. So there's the Fool and there's the Lovers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, basically, she's controlled by, um, you know, Mr. Big. Uh, the again, it's in it's in the Deep South. In the movie, they're um, like just just straight up like uh, heroin peddlers. Um, Once again, the negative connotations. Yes. To tarot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. James Bond, um, you know, is with this woman, and then she loses her ability to read the cards accurately. Interesting. Um, and thus, the bad guy loses his ability to predict future events. Bond only manages to seduce this woman because he's reading the tarot deck, which obviously she believes in mm -hmm. 100%. Um, and he makes her pick a card from the deck, and she pulls it, and it's the lover's card, which, oh. again, very on the nose, and then they immediately um, oh. make love. But... As he, they do so, he pours the deck of cards out on the table to reveal that every single card in the deck was the lover's card. Oh, hey, that is bond. that's really that's really good. <laughs> 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 I wrote that, I'd be so proud of that. <laughs> like so dumb, but yeah. Um, but to to cut a long story short, yes, Lee, you're absolutely right. The the depictions that I've seen of Tara in at least in movies mm. uh, is is overwhelmingly negative yeah. but um also uh, i guess exotic or, or at least connected with you know n non-white 
uh, non-Christian. Um, yeah. Which is weird because, like, most of, you know, this tarot deck, I said the quintessential tarot deck is, uh, you know, made by some very white people. <laughs> and, like, it's, Italians. It's, it's like, yeah. really, um, a lot of the imagery is very, very familiar because in, like, the... 70s you know the age of enlightenment and everything um all of this kind of imagery was everywhere so it's on you know album covers and all the art people were making at the time is very reminiscent of this because it was just absolutely exploding in popularity mm. so when i think of tarot i think there is a very very like white even like british history to it there's a lot of Gosh, grits yeah. behind this mm-hmm. um the artwork is the one thing that uh tarot has the artwork is always spectacular yeah mm-hmm. that's part of the appeal which is right? the yeah the appeal of this um i don't know does the artwork have a, an age does it have a time like wh- where does this artwork come from it almost looks like dante yes. kind of like for me looking at it it looks very sort of like arthurian legend yeah. kind of stuff but then like so the actual icon mix of all kinds of iconography but like I look at this and I think um, like William Blake, kind of the very English etchings, yeah. um, like Chaucerian kind of stuff. You look very European, you know, th- this kind of like a structure above the central figure, but then we've also got sphinxes, mm-hmm. yeah. which is ancient yeah. Egyptian. Winged heraldry, we've got, you know, shield. Yeah, you could really break it down, couldn't you? Oh yeah, and by the way, the book I was referring to and I was uh, tripping up on was the Divine Comedy. I said, you're right to bring up the Egyptian thing because there are a lot of um, uh, Egyptian decks as well. Like here is uh, one, this is an 80s one from Spain where it's like similar sort of figures, but all the icons. Oh, that's hieroglyphics! Egyptian! So yeah, it's got hieroglyphics. But the idea, I think, is that it's intentionally timeless. A lot of it intentionally sort of brings together different time periods and different races because... Is it also potentially intentionally... The artwork is intentionally of a um, of an older generation. So you would look at the artwork and then you immediately think, oh, this is older and therefore it has an appeal. Yes, it has something. There's like um, knowing that it's got a long history mm. and knowing that these images look very familiar and very old in you some way. You might find some truth there. Yeah, there's like an authority yeah. that is implied yeah. by it. Not every tarot deck is this... Um, detailed and this uh kind of representative there's a lot of ones that are very they're just imagery or you know, like here is for example another italian deck from the 70s but it's you know figures recognizably human figures but just colors and very very pared down That's in so terms of detail abstract. very abstract but when you when you see it next to other versions so this is the hermit you can see Oh, it's the same sort of figures, and you've got the the staff, and you know, the yeah, like um, thing that they're holding. Obviously, you can't see any images in the yeah. in the podcast, unfortunately. But um, what we're seeing is almost like a, you know, the image of uh, uh, monkeys turning into humans. It's almost <laughs> like a, an evolution. Um, the the shapes, but it's a, it's a human shape turning into cubes and squares. Mm-hmm. But then you've also seen the far. That that's almost mm-hmm. um, like Picasso. Yeah, mm. yeah. In its bluntness, yeah. and then the uh, you know the injection of color. 
which yeah. is very obscure. Like some of them, it's they're, they're pared down so much because, like I said, it's it's designed to sort of be um, universal. Mm. So in a certain way, like the less there is, the easier it is to apply it to things. Like you know, if you've got like a blank slate, is easier to put your projections onto that. I would yeah. I would say, but looking at them side by side, it is pretty interesting to see um, just. You know the the difference in how other people have interpreted these these decks, but the figures, the actual like remain constant. Remain constant because there is a, a very specific intent to where they are, where they appear in the deck, and things like that. There are some people who have changed the figures ever so slightly over time. They've um, evolved slightly, but I think it's it's kind of sanctimonious to bring out the tarot deck and then just, you know, ah, it doesn't matter what any of the orders are, because, like, it does. Yeah. It's divine from it, something it's very... It's interesting familiar. where there is, like, a basic understanding of what the cards should mm. look like, and then it's open to interpretation, but as long as it follows a very... Yeah. You know, I mean, look at them. They There's, like, look, a root. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, look, I mean, I don't know what the age is, the age difference is, but they all look incredibly similar. We've got one from... Well, these are both 90s, but this one is from the 70s. Right. But they're very similar. And they you can see that tarot decks, a lot of people who make tarot decks are um influenced by other ones. Like the community is is um is very sort of fluid in mm. that people will come out with a deck and then they take aspects from this and put it into another one. But you're right in that like when you see it in films, it's really easy to take one card in isolation and because a lot of them are so rich in imagery, you can you can kind of fudge it to mean whatever you, whatever you want it to mean. It's, it's um, you know, things like like Sabrina, and that kind of you know, you, you, you immediately have this connection with so like the occult. I think of tarot. I think of Ouija board. I think of uh, you know what we have, what we spoke about before. It's it's there's this overwhelming negative connotations towards it, but so far. <laughs> relatively positive which is weird when you think like like i said i lump it in with ouija as well because again it came out of this uh explosion of like spirituality in the in the 1910s and stuff but ouija is like that is just straight up made made up by someone and like ouija doesn't really have a history but it's got all of these connotations um as if it has this long history that astrology or um or tarot do and like I don't want to say people can't get meaning from Ouija, like, you know, it's your life, do live your life, but mm. these have a history, and whether it's an objective truth, they're mm. an interesting part of human history, and Ouija's just like, yeah. <laughs> it's like but, living your life by like a game of Monopoly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for me, there is this, there's one thing that, uh, that runs uh, as a constant, mm-hmm. is the potential of uh, a monetization. Oh, yeah. You can make money from all of this. Absolutely, you can. Obviously, you can use tarot decks in many ways, but I would say the way that most people, when they're designed, they're encouraged to be used is for um, individual spiritual development or working with someone you're very close to for the guise of spiritual development. There are, of course, people who use them commercially and probably have very good intentions and believe themselves to be very good at reading the interactions between the cards and coming up with a specific sort of reading for a person, but it's also rife for exploitation. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> it, oh, it doesn't oh need God, to be yeah, said, yeah, but yeah. like I said, they're so evocative. They've got so much on there. 
Yeah. Got, yeah I, mean, I mean, like the subject matter. We haven't even delved into the subject matter, no. but you can find some rube to follow it. You know, death, the Joker, wealth. <laughs> and then you, know, you start throwing these evocative language around, you yeah. will find your audience. Exactly. I'm absolutely fascinated by the image of the devil. Well, the devil is a tenacious D. Uh, <laughs> that, I mean, straight up and down, that is the tenacious D album cover. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's an unhappy looking red bloke. He's got horns and wings and hairy legs. Um, he's posed like um. Here's a shout out to anyone who's been to the Witchcraft Museum in Cornwall. He looks very much like Baphomet. There's two human figures uh, beneath him. Uh, the male character is on. Well, he's got a tail which is on fire. The lady character has fruit growing from the tail. The symbolism's. I would say vague enough, you know, that you can kind of draw uh, a, a number of responses from it. Uh, the Empress card, for example. You know, she sat there in her robe and she's got a little golden stick or whatever. But in the foreground, we've got a lot of uh, grain growing, you know, so maybe that's good omens for growth. Well, would you like to know what it says in this book? I'd love to. So this is only obviously one... Um interpretation it's not to say that there's one specific reading of it but um so again this is from the library of esoterica um so in his most archetypal form the devil is represented in tarot by the horned baphomet so you're oh! right the leering satyr half man and half goat with forked tail and bat wings the occult symbol of the inverted pentagram emblazoned upon his forehead in some decks, he is portrayed as a hermaphrodite with full breasts or with feet shaped like raven's claws. A naked man and woman are chained to his stone pedestal, depicting, depicting both his dominion over and enslavement of them. Sometimes the couple are also shown with horns and tails transformed into demi-demons by their master. But if one looks closely, it becomes apparent that the shackles around their necks uh, are in fact loose. If they have indeed surrendered to their basis instinct, it is most likely of their own volition. Wow. So that's just what the symbolism um, of the typical uh, devil card, you know, might represent. So immediately you've got this, like an archetype of the, of the devil, and then you've got the enslaved humans. But yes, the idea of the, them kind of being there under their own volition is interesting because yeah. if you, you know, believe that and believe that, Maybe if you're ascribing this to your current situation, you could look at it and think, okay, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I've been seduced. You've been um, drawn off the, the correct path or, or however you want to mention it. Exactly. Would yeah. you like to hear a brief reading about that card then? I'd love to, uh, generally. So that's what the symbology represents. So just in the card itself, the devil demands honesty in all self-assessment and requires a confrontation and acceptance of one's raw desires, like you were saying. He forces admission of addiction, impulse and manipulation. He is a signifier of entrapment, lack of fulfilment, reliance on the material rather than the spiritual. To move past him, one must go deep, face faults and find forgiveness. He welcomes indulgence, gluttony and temptation. And yet the devil can be embraced as well. He offers fertile soil for creativity, igniting passion, fueling the glowing pyre of ideas and imagination. In the dark spaces there emerges the poetry of shadows. We place the chains around our own neck 
To be freed of the devil's shackles, we must remove our own masks and face our own demons. So I do like the idea of, you know... Yeah, that conjures up all kinds of um, ideas. and it's um, um, Well, you hear the word devil. Mm-hmm. I can't possibly think of a positive connotation for that word. It's, well, it's, it's you know, you, you hear devil, you think of hell. Yeah. Uh, to be positive connotations. I mean, if if that, how many cards? I know we haven't done this yet, but yeah. you, there are three cards drawn. It depends how you want to set it up, but yeah, simple. So stereotypically, how many cards? Yeah, let's say the simplest one would probably be three cards. Right. So you draw one for the past, one for the present, one for the future. Right. So right. say you wanted to draw cards to, be, okay, am I going to be successful in this business venture I'm doing or whatever um, with these cards you can think about how you dealt with similar questions in the past right. how you tend to deal with them in the future and how you may may deal with them in you know uh, may deal with them in the present and then from there work out you know how you want to approach your current situation so it's not going to change anything no. obviously but when it comes to the the devil mm-hmm. I'm trying to get my head round um like iconography yeah with um the english language and then the i so you you hear devil it's yeah. immediately negative like i i find it difficult to find any positive to it but then you just said there is also positive to it when you draw that card well there's power in recognizing it isn't there you know if you realize that you may not be under your full control or that you may be kind of opening yourself up or you know allowing yourself to prey on things that you don't want to or you know letting yourself uh i can see sorry it's power and knowledge you know it is power but also the one thing that uh with that um these cards are so open to interpretation even you know sans religion i am aware of the uh, idea of heaven and Mm -hmm. hell yeah. So I immediately know that hell, devil, negative. If you start to interject the idea of a positive yeah. to the devil, that's really important yeah. because every that means every card from then on, which is something that is throughout history, the devil is also is always, always, always negative. If I had three cards in front of me, yeah. one was the fool. I would think immediately, ha, 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 that's funny. I, I, I can see myself in that. <laughs> One is a lover, of course. You know, yeah. I, I have a great relationship. Yeah. And then and then, I, and then I have the devil. I go, oh, yeah. oh dear. Yeah. But then you can immediately twist the lover to be negative, and then you can immediately twist... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. None yeah. of it's black and white. I think, like, that's half of what this is trying to do, is absolutely, break down, yeah. like, not everything is... Yeah. There's nothing really inherently 100% There is positive. a right and wrong, and again... Yeah. To keep on bringing back and to keep on, I know mm-hmm. this is going to get boring. How perfect is this yeah. for just ripping people off? <laughs> <laughs> because every yeah. single card can either be good or bad. Absolutely. And it's yeah. up to you mm-hmm. and how you sell it mm-hmm. as that snake oil salesman. Imagine you flick down the devil card, right? And they go, oh, and then you realize that, oh, I can use this. <laughs> These cards are absolutely perfect for that. Yeah. Let, let me show you an interp- a, a positive interpretation of the devil card, right? You yeah. just draw the devil card. Oh, that's really good. And you know what? And that fits great with you, Lee. Mm. And, I, and I'll tell you why. 
you were just talking about Dante, right? Yeah. What is God if not the ultimate authority, right? He is, uh, you know, in control, right? The yeah. devil is not necessarily uh, the concept of evil. It's just the the lack of God's control. It's chaos. Right? Well, yeah, it, it's, it's, I mean, immediately you think of God as a positive yeah. and you think of the devil as a negative. Well, sure. If you break it down into simplistic terms, that's yeah. what we have that connect, connection with. Yeah, but we, we're working with just, um, in terms of the cards, you know, the, the devil is is lack of, uh, of control. We're going to let this thing spin into, into chaos. It's uncertainty, but also in that comes, you know, opportunity. Viewed the the war with God from the devil's perspective, it's it's the view of a freedom fighter, right? You know, it, it's someone who who wants free will, gave the the uh, the the fruit of the uh, Garden of Eden to Eve and, and Adam to give them the ability of three four. We're talking about a character who's interested in in uprooting the the status quo. You know, so but you're going to create something new, something mm -hmm. important, something mm -hmm. spectacular, maybe terrible, but you know, who knows? It's going to be, it's going to be big. Yeah. And that says a lot about you. I was going to say, would you like to hear something interesting as well? So. Oh yeah. I also absolutely love for you to give me my cards. Oh my god. Can you think of anything more yeah. exciting? Like, please. I was gonna say something we haven't touched on yet because obviously this is only we've only started off. Each of the major arcana has a um astro astrological sign associated. <laughs> and then they have their elements which come from the astrological sign. I mean this is it. Can, yeah. can we take do five? You know? I, I need yeah. to. Yeah. Do you know what the astrological sign associated with the devil is? What? Capricorn. Oh! Well, well, yeah, goat. Goat, of course. Yeah, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Capricorn and oh, We can spin. I mean, the connections. But the, the connections over like hundreds and hundreds of years. It's mm -hmm. not just deep. This is subterranean, man. This is mole man level. This, this, this is really, yeah, really, really interesting. Yeah. This is great. I mean, this is the kind of stuff like we're just touching, we're just scraping the surface. So with that, we will leave it here for today. We will be back next week and continue our exploration and start to try to pull and analyze some more personalized readings. I had a lot of fun doing this and it is something that I will definitely come back to with friends as a framework for spiritual exploration. It really is excellent. Even if like me, you have absolutely no idea what you are doing. I will hopefully see you then. You can find me in the meantime as Weird Horizon on Twitter, where I'll keep you guys up to date on what the cards might have in store for us. You can also find me on Instagram as Weird Horizon Podcast, so come and bother me there if the mood takes you. For now, bye.